Maths for artists, but what about maths for scientists themselves? Those who've lost touch, in a way, with numbers and need to get connected again to do a special project. Why not try the Newton Institute in Cambridge, where the director is Professor Ulrike Tullmann, FRS, and have a very stimulating mathematical break. We have physicists coming here, biologists at the moment in the building, and visitors come possibly to spend up to six months here discussing with their colleagues anything, problems, future conjectures, possibly working on something together to finish up some major project and having workshops. It's a unique thing for mathematics, I think, to be able to come together and have this time here where you bump into people and you learn possibly a different subject areas, a new sort of language. And that is actually something that is very difficult to do in other situations. So coming here on a long program is really something that people value to learn, get a different perspective. Physicists would come here with a certain amount of mathematical background. But what about biologists and others you mentioned? Are they prepared really in the beginning when they turn up to speak the same language really as the mathematicians who are resident? That often is the challenge. They often bring people together, but then how do you get them to talk to each other? There are different things we can do, for example. One obvious thing is to try to have introductory lectures right at the beginning. You try to get the right social framework and make sure that especially early career scientists can help in that respect because they're more open to the other side, if you like. <laughs> they're not yet quaint in their own language as much. Another program came here and they realized they would really like to work with experimentalists, which is, of course, difficult because we certainly can't cater here for experiments. But they did work together with a lab here in Cambridge, went into the lab, and of course, the people in the lab could come here for some time. We will have a program that will try to make connection with a specific physics lab. And again, they will actually spend a week, have a workshop there to make the connections. So there are different ways to do it. Different ways to do it, of course. And this illustrates the fact that so many people do not continue mathematics, even fairly late in their schooling. And there's a move now in Britain to have, I think came from the Prime Minister, you were saying, that they learn mathematics compulsorily up to the age of 18. Do you approve of that? I think it's a Interesting idea, and it's all in the implementation. <laughs> I would say mathematics shouldn't stop at 16, especially for those who would like to go to university, but probably also for those who go into other technical professions or even non-technical, because it's a matter of keeping up the mathematics that you have learned. For example, it's a bit like maybe learning an instrument, you forget it if you don't practice, and so with mathematics as well. But I think it's actually a little bit more than that. You know, you have to possibly go a little bit beyond what you really want to be comfortable with in order to get comfortable with the mathematics that you have acquired. And so, for example, here in Britain, the A-level system, it means only, I think, a fifth of the students study beyond age 16, even though the A-level mass is the most popular and has been for a while, it does mean that a lot of people stop at age 16. And even if you study history, any of the social sciences, you 
will want to deal with data, for example, later on, or you will have to deal with it. And so the British Academy and the Royal Society a few months ago, uh, last year actually, brought out a combined statement to promote something that's called core mathematics, which tries to be a math course that is more appealing for the practitioners, if you like. So you would have estimates, important, uh, some statistics, maybe some data science per se, and yeah, possibly calculus as well, but maybe not necessarily. So it's a more practice-oriented course. So that would be one thing that maybe those who don't like A-level could be using. But maybe there's also a way, and that I think is possibly the most important one for many people, is to introduce the mathematics where it's used in the subject areas they are really interested in. And when it comes to vocational training, there are obvious ways that you might want to have some geometry for a carpenter or some basic algebra. And on healthcare, for, you know, doctors, epidemiology, numbers in disease and so on. Indeed. I think the pandemic has shown that <laughs> we all want to understand number and what it means and what exponential growth means and so on. And so the language of mathematics, mm. I think, has That's been... It's risky. But there are some things about mathematics there, number theory topology. Yes, what is topology? <laughs> You're asking the right person, maybe. <laughs> I'm a topologist. What is topology? It's a cousin of geometry. One way to think about topology is a concept of nearness. And maybe the easiest to show the principle, if you think about a London underground map, most people certainly here in Britain have used it. It's not geometric. It's not how the lines are laid out. What is important there is a connection between the lines and that you can go from one line to another and maybe whether you're south or north of the Thames. That's important. The connectivity there is important. And that's a topological version of a geometric map that uh, maybe a surveyor would draw. There are, of course, uh, some confusing things, such as I was reading the other day that Pythagoras, you know, the summary internal angles of a triangle, 180 degrees. But sometimes it is not the case. When you've got the bending of the universe, when the triangle is not flat, hmm. the numbers are different. <laughs> Mathematics is not playing fair. <laughs> No, 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 no. Everything is okay. <laughs> it's just you have to think about different geometries. And as soon as you have curvature on the sphere, that's no longer true. And you have to think about uh, more carefully. Even though we never see curvature, everything's flat. <laughs> Ah, well, that's not uh, <laughs> not quite true. <laughs> it depends how far you're where you look. Yes. In other words, if you had a gigantic triangle on the surface of the Earth, you would not have the angles that's like correct. that. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. Phew, I got it right almost. So we can see the ways in which you can have fun with mathematics and the ways in which it could become a familiar thing. There is one big problem, of course. So many people think that with all these machines around us, the machines can do it for us. So we can remain proudly ignorant because it's more convenient like that. What are the hazards of relying too much on machines and forgetting the real maths? Well, I think the understanding of mathematics and mathematical concepts is, of course, not something that you get when you uh, type in something in the computer or your calculator. You can't think quickly about it yourself and creatively. So I think mathematics is a very 
important subjects to be understood, but also, of course, for many, it is a training ground to tackle problems. And I think for school, coming back to that, that aspect is possibly just as important to teach children that they come up to problems they feel are impossible and solvable and being able to persevere through the difficulties and go through and actually have this wonderful insight is really something that I wouldn't want to cut people out on this experience. <laughs> the thinking experience of a lifetime, solving problems just like Michelle Simmons, our boy lecturer, who taught herself to welcome the hard ones. I was with Professor Ulrika Tullman at the Newton Institute in Cambridge, where she's director. The Science Show on RN.